Now let's turn to foreign affairs. The United States has a very important ally in the Middle East, Israel. Uh, you knew that. Some people say it doesn't get talked about quite as much. Iran, after all, is the focus as uh, the U.S. and other countries get close to a deadline for a nuclear deal with Iran. All of that and a lot more is covered by a former Israeli ambassador here in Washington, Michael Oren, in your new book called Ally, My Journey Across the American-Israeli Divide. First, welcome, Michael Oren. Always wonderful to be here, Dan. And I <laughs> want to just uh, clarify for everyone who hears, of course, you have an American accent. You're originally from New Jersey. You moved to Israel. You became, uh, well, a best-selling historian, a military officer, and a lot more. Mm -hmm. And Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu chose you to be Israel's ambassador here in the United States for the first four years, it turned out, of Barack Obama's presidency. You say in your book, Ally, that things changed, and you noticed it pretty rapidly. Apparently, Barack Obama, in your view, didn't want to be that close an ally with Israel. I said that he wanted to be a different type of ally mm. to Israel. And I think, it, uh, I think I'm saying this very, very accurately. He set out to change some of the fundamental parameters of the relationships, the way that existed at least since the middle Reagan years, since the, the mid-80s. The, the fundamental uh, rules had been always be friendly with Israel. I mean, you say, for instance, no daylight and no public disagreements. Uh, some critics have you know, disagreed with your view that there have been times and that the State been. Department or the White House does condemn something Israel does, not even before Barack Obama. Indeed, indeed. And, uh, and there are some things that Israel did to surprise uh, the United States. I seem to recall an Israeli uh, airstrike against uh, an Iraqi nuclear reactor. But in uh, your years where you're the specialist, you uh -huh. were the, the man on the spot, the ambassador here, you are saying that relations unraveled. And, and though you put some blame on your prime minister, Netanyahu, you seem to put most of the blame, almost all the blame on Barack Obama. And in recent articles, you even started, shall I say, psychoanalyzing him that because he was abandoned by two Muslim fathers, maybe he wants to be close to the Muslim world. So let's go back. Let's unpack all those questions about three, four questions. The book is not about blame. The book is about understanding what occurred over the last six years. And, and I brought the book out now on purpose. And, and June is usually not the time that most nonfiction authors put out books. They put them out in the fall. Uh, this is summer reading period. And I, I rather shamelessly uh, asked uh, uh, Random House to bring it out now so we can have this discussion about what occurred over the past six years before the signing of any possible agreement with Iran. So you're trying to influence that in a way. Oh, After all, there are members of Congress who wonder, do Americans care? Israel protests. Mm -hmm. Netanyahu spoke to Congress, something you weren't ambassador anymore, but you say you don't think he should have come here and done that and make the White House And the angry. way it was done, I think the message was very, very important. Mm -hmm. I agree with 100% with the message he gave. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I represent a party that's not Netanyahu's party. I should have mentioned you're now and a member of the Knesset, elected and, in the most recent election, and, and your party's part of the coalition, but you're not a minister in the Netanyahu government. I'm not a minister in the Netanyahu government, but there is no disagreement, whether in the government or even outside the government, about the Iranian nuclear program. And you know, Dan, we, we don't have national consensus on just about anything in the state of Israel. We have close to a national consensus. That is that interesting. This, that this but is it, a bad deal. That is interesting, but it might not need to impact how Americans feel about the Middle East in general or about the Iran deal. Because here Here's bottom line for mm -hmm. me. Your country, Israel, is population 8 million. The United States, 320 million. And maybe sometimes Israelis, including diplomats, forget you're very much the junior partner. Why were you expecting... We never forget for oh. a second. Ah. <laughs> Trust me, we never forget for a second. And we never forget for the second, and this is going to seem obvious, that the United States is a very big country. It's far from the Middle East. You're not threatened with national annihilation by the Iranian regime. Uh, you have the greatest military capabilities in the world. We are a small country. We're in Iran's backyard. 
The Iranian regime every week says they're going to wipe us off the map. And we have a very strong army, as you know, but it's not the U.S. Army. We don't have B-2 bombers. We don't have aircraft carriers. So our margin for error with Iran is exactly zero. But all and this, more- is what, this is what everyone in Israel understands. We can't afford to make a single mistake. These guys say they want to kill us. But you've probably made a mistake, and even perhaps during your four years as ambassador here, by letting relations with the United States sour. In that situation that you've just described, the title of your book is Ally. You need a strong ally. And you're absolutely right. And the book, as you mentioned, talks about the mistakes that we made. And I'll go even further. The book talks about the mistakes I made. Nobody's perfect. And I said the line I always give was no one has a monopoly of making mistakes. But one has to distinguish between making mistakes and making policy decisions. And the Obama administration, as the book shows, came into office in 2009 with a different worldview than Israel had known before, certainly since maybe the 1950s, since Eisenhower had a notoriously strained relationship with David Ben-Gurion. People don't remember this. Even Ben-Gurion even had a strained relationship with Kennedy. And we had grown accustomed to having very close relations with presidents going back to uh, Reagan, sort of in the middle of the years, eight years of Clinton, eight years of Bush, very close relations. So let's be blunt here. You yes. were confronted by a new president who was determined not to be George W. Bush. You Indeed. could even say that he won the Nobel Peace Prize that year, 09, for not being George W. Bush. But when it came to Israel and the Middle East, he reached out to Iran. He wanted Israel to stop building settlements. He really wanted you to make a deal with the Palestinians. And then he probably felt, oh, this Netanyahu is not going along with me. So you were there often. Mm -hmm. Did Barack Obama show personal or political anger toward Netanyahu? At times both. But I think it was probably less personal than it was worldview. And this is one of the things I want to stress in the book. Yes, these the the relationship between Netanyahu and and, and Obama, not the relations between Yitzhak Rabin and Bill Clinton or between uh, George Bush and Arik Sharon or George Bush and Ehud Olmert. They really it was liked not. each other. They, they, were, they were buddies. This was, this, was not, this, was not a love, this was not a love story. Mm-hmm. It was, just wasn't. Mm-hmm. We got to get over it at a certain point. But politically and strategically, but your it, little country should prove its case here in Washington always. that you're of benefit to the U.S., have you? Always. And, and that was my recommendation to the prime minister. My recommendation wasn't always accepted. And, and the book goes into detail about that. What's the job of an ambassador? It's not an easy job. You got to go out there and tell, that the things, tell people back home the things that you see from there, I don't see from here. Things look different from Washington. And sometimes my advice was accepted. Sometimes it was. And then the, the prime minister, for example, when he declared support for the two-state solution or he froze building in the West Bank, which was very hard for the Likud prime minister, uh, didn't get the credit that he should have gotten for it. And I well, strongly believe that. Having said all that, the worldview. The worldview was different. And you, you, I think you summarized it very well. You should be on the other side of the table. Barack Obama comes in a couple months later, he gives the Cairo speech. He goes to Turkey and he sets out that I'm going to reconcile with what he called the Muslim world, which is even an interesting concept. Including he, the reach out to Iran, which you see as your mortal enemy. He recognizes in the Cairo speech that Iran has the right to peaceful nuclear energy. But this is Iran that is, trying, is going talking about is, is actively seeking to kill uh, Israelis. Yeah, and as an analyst and historian, Michael mm-hmm. Oren, you realize, don't you, that above all, Barack Obama wants to avoid another Middle East war at all costs, not to have a war with Iran, even to make a deal that you'd consider a bad deal. Mr. Obama, if he were sitting right here, would say, hey, I've just saved hundreds of thousands of lives. Or he has just jeopardized many millions of lives. Uh, because one of the paradoxes of the credible military threat, Ben, was that the more credible the military threat, the lesser chance you'd actually have to use it. And I know if, you it, write and, also that Barack Obama and his remarks really minimized the possibility that anyone would bomb Iran. Well, right now, he just had an interview in Israeli television uh, about two weeks ago 
uh, with Ilana Dayan. You probably know her. Uh, great interview, but he said there's no real military option. This is after years where he has told the Israeli public all options are on the table and I'm not bluffing. So Israelis all of a sudden look at each other and say, wait a minute, he was bluffing. And and that's a very stark realization for Israelis. Let's move to the near future. There's an election in the U.S. next year. In some way, are you trying to influence that? Because in your book also, you're critical of American Jews who don't agree consistently with Israel's government. And next year, American Jews are expected, as usual, to vote with the Democrat, likely to be Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. whereas Republican candidates say, hey, I- I'm much more pro-Israel. Do you take a view on that? Well, first of all, let me correct <laughs> a great inaccuracy here. I do not say in the book that I'm critical of, Is- of Israeli Jews, of American Jews who don't, disagree, who don't agree with Israel all the time. Yeah. In fact, I'm engaged with a wide range uh, of Jews. There's a great paragraph there where I said, I saw talk with Jews who won't sing Hatikva, the national anthem of Israel, because it doesn't mention God. And I meet with Jews in America who won't sing Hatikva because it doesn't mention the Palestinians. Right. So, uh, so, so some are Orthodox I'm Jews, all some the time are I'm reaching out to different parts of the but American But you write Jewish about community. your arguments with some writers and columnists. And you note that sure. they are Jewish as though you're disappointed they don't take no, Israel's No, I, I write the fact that there are some writers, uh, American Jewish writers, who will say, I'm Jewish, therefore I have greater credibility in criticizing Israel. And I'm not going to mention names, but you know what I'm talking about. And it happens often. And there I am critical, and I'll stand by that criticism. Okay, thanks for the correction, but move ahead to whether you have a view as an Israeli who Mm. cares about leadership in the U.S., do you take a view on what sort of president ought to be elected late next year? I I talk about the kind of president who should have a a certain approach to Israel and understand that we are an ally. We are an ally that you don't have... In the Middle East, certainly, and certainly not not many places in the world. What what kind of ally are we? We are scientifically and technologically robust. We are militarily strong. Right now, the the Israeli Defense Forces are more than twice as large as the French and British armies combined. Uh, We're located at the the, the nexus of three continents. We've never known a second of non-democratic rule, and we're totally pro-American. That's a pretty good ally. Uh, yeah, we're going to have differences. We're going to have differences over uh, the peace process. If there is a peace process, we may have differences over Iran. But let's not lose sight of the fact we have this allies. For Israel, there's no substitute for the United States of America, the world's greatest um, military power, democracy, a pro-Israel country. We, we have to shore up this relationship. That's what the book is about. And that's why its title is Ally, My Journey Across the American-Israeli Divide. The former Israeli ambassador here in Washington, Michael Oren. Thanks very much. Thank you.